What a wonderful, wonderful presence of the Lord tonight. Thankful for the Lord just showing up like He does. Sunday was a tremendous, just outpouring of His Spirit in this house. And I'm thankful that the Scripture is true, that where there's two or more gathered in His name, that He is there. And you know, He, he doesn't come in and hide. He doesn't come in and so I'll stay over here in the corner. Out, but when we begin to praise Him, Scripture says he inhabits the praises of his people, and things start happening when you begin to worship and praise the Lord. Uh, they were singing it on Sunday. The atmosphere would be, begin to change, and things would begin to happen, and we felt that on Sunday, and anytime we come in, it may be a little different, but it's the same God, the same Spirit, but he may operate in a different fashion, that service, but you can always feel his presence. Aren't you thankful for the presence of the Lord? Give him a hand if you appreciate the Lord tonight. We appreciate the Lord. Appreciate you being in the house of the Lord. If you have your Bibles and want to turn tonight, we'll go into the Word and see how we can live better for the King. Anybody just want to live better for him? How can I be more like you? I, I used to, I, I kind of got out of the habit of doing it, but I used to always write for just years at the very top of each new notepad I would get. I still handwrite my notes, so I just can't get into that iPad stuff. I just, uh, it would take me forever to type something, so, um, uh, so I handwrite my stuff, but I would always write it just for my reminder. I, I would always write, strive to be better. I want to be better. I want to be better at serving God. I want to be a better person. But I want to be. I want to strive to be better serving the Lord and and uh, doing what He's called me to do. And so I would just put a little reminder there. And that's that's a good thing to just wake up every day and say, "Hey, do better today, bud." When you look in the mirror, just tell yourself, "Do better today." Uh, I had a good day yesterday. Well, then do better. Don't settle. Keep reaching. Keep reaching up. Keep reaching for higher stuff. You, we can always do better. We can always do better. And so just uh, don't ever think you've told your best testimony that you've ever preached your best service or sung your best song. There's always something better. If the book of Hebrews teaches me anything. That, that key word in that book is better, better things. There's, there's, there's something better. Uh, for us every day. If his mercy is new every morning, I got a chance to be better. And so I'm thankful for that today. First Peter chapter 5 and verses 5 through 7. Just some good instruction from a guy who had ups and downs living for God. He got to walk with Jesus in the flesh and still ups and downs. He sat with Jesus, ate with Jesus, probably laughed with Jesus, cried with Jesus. All the things you could do with a, a good friend, and yet he's still up and down. We, we, it's life. It's up and down sometimes. And he gave us some good words here. Um, he said, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I want to just teach a little more tonight, maybe, but on this thought, let go and let God. Let go, let God. Let's pray for the word tonight. Pray for the preaching of the word. Lord, we thank you tonight for your presence, for the people of God that have made it into your house tonight. Pray your blessings upon them. Lord, anoint these lips of clay for just a little while. Help me to have acceptable words for your people, God, that we can all be better 
do better, be more like you. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Now give him a hand clap and a shout of praise tonight. Hallelujah. We serve a great God. We serve a mindful God. And I'm thankful for him. You can be seated. God bless you. In the name of the Lord. So just good three little scriptures with a lot of good, powerful living points. We were talking about or singing about my God is more than enough and he can supply all my need. We need God in this hour, I guess it seems like more than we ever have. Just the world we live in is certainly not a time to, to go to sleep in your walk. We don't need people sleepwalking in this day's time, high time to awake out of sleep. This one writer said, uh, I feel like the ends of the world are upon us and, and he could come back to get us any day. That's not to be, that's not to give you nightmares or to scare you. I'm just telling you the truth. Jesus said, watch for you know not the day. So I want to be watching, but as I am watching, I need to be doing and I need to be uh, trusting him. We can't let the, the impending thought of his return cause us to sit back and do nothing. There's a parable about that when men were given talents that one guy said, I know what kind of master I serve and I know how he, how he does, so I'm just going to bury my talent and sit here till he comes home. That didn't work out too well for him and it, it won't work out well for us uh, because the Lord could come back in a day or ten years. Ten years? You really? Th I have no idea. Don't ask me to put a number on it because I won't. I'm saying I, I I don't think I don't think it will be ten years, honestly. But I have no idea. Be twenty for all I know. But you know what? That's why we've got to just keep working for the kingdom and doing what we've got to do uh, because we do not know. And so I won't. Uh, in this world we live in today, it's full of trouble. Things are just. Uh, trying to wear us out, consume our minds, consume our thoughts, get us off track, get us, in, you know, just infatuated with other things, get our focus off of the kingdom and, and serving him. And, and I, want, I want out of that. I want God to raise me up. Now, I, I'm not saying raise me up in a position. I, I want God to raise me up out of things. I want him to take me. Uh, one psalmist said, Psalms 40 and 2, he said, he brought me up out of a horrible pit. He brought me up and out. I want God to raise me up and bring me out. Bring me out of that horrible pit. I don't know what's horrible for you, but but maybe it's, uh, you know, sickness, and God can bring you up and out of that. Maybe it's uh, depression, and God can bring you up and out of that. Maybe it's anxiety and stress or, or discouragement or shame or guilt, I mean, or, or bitterness or anger. It could be a, it could be a lot of things that, that make up a horrible pit. He said it's all, that horrible pit's full of miry clay. It's things that will bog you down. And, and what I need is God to bring me up and out of things that will hold me down. Get me up and out of the things that, that, that stick my feet. He said I need to follow him, but I can't follow him when I'm mired down in trouble, when I'm mired down in sickness, and when I'm mired down in bitterness and, and jealousies and all kind of things that just that eat at our soul. I can't be uh, what I need to be for him unless he brings me out. Raise me up, God. Get me out of my failures. Get me out of my heartache. Get me out of these things that make me unlike you. The Bible says that he made us to sit in heavenly places. I want to be in heavenly places. That doesn't mean that we're so spiritual that nobody can touch us. But heavenly places, things that are like him. Put me up, Lord, in a place of wisdom, of understanding, of, of mercy. Raise me up to a higher place of love and forgiveness and knowledge of you, Lord. Raise me up to be more like you. And again, God does not raise us up for reputation because he's not going to make us anything that he wasn't. The Bible says he did not make a reputation of himself. He's not going to make a reputation out of us. But I, I, what I need him, I need him to raise me up so I can survive. Because if he doesn't get us up, we're going to drown 
in the things of this world. If he does not raise his church up, and, and we're going to be mired down. But he, he said, my plans for you are to be above only. To be the, the head, you know. We, we, we quote these scriptures all the time. But, but I, I don't need him to raise me up so people can say, hey, look at him. I need them, him to raise me up so they can say, look at him. I, 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 need to, I need to be a better portrait of the God that I serve, of his love and of his mercy. Uh, I, I need him to lift me up so I can keep on serving him. I don't want to be mired down where I can't serve him anymore. And that's the, the problem. I, I need him to raise me up above me. Because my biggest obstacle and your biggest obstacle is the one that looks back at you from the mirror. We want to lay the blame on the devil. We want to lay the blame on everybody else. But when it comes down to it, we're just like Paul. And Paul just owned it. He said, there is no good thing in my flesh. If he had a mirror to look in, he's saying, there's no good thing in my flesh. He's, he said, look, the, the bad stuff that I don't want to do, I end up doing it. Nobody twisted my arm. I just That's just the sin that's in me. It was me. The good stuff I want to do, I can't figure out how to do it. It's just me. My biggest obstacle to serving God is me. Because ultimately, I am the one who makes the decision to get up get dressed and go to church. I'm the one who's, who makes the decision. Either I'll pray today or I won't. I'll read today or I won't. I'll testify today or I won't. I'll preach today or I won't. Come on, somebody. It's not anybody. God does not have his hand through our back and up to our mouth going, all right, start talking. He's, he's not a ventriloquist. Speak. He, he gave us our own voice. We're in his image. And, and so we're supposed to be about our father's business. And, and he was going everywhere talking and proclaiming and preaching and speaking. And we need to be doing the same things. It's not anybody else. It's just own that so that you can get rid of it. Because we, we talked about this in a lesson several weeks ago, but when you start blaming everybody else, you lose power to change anything. Because you're saying, I'm not responsible for nothing. But we are responsible for us. The scripture tells us, and, and it, this scripture gets twisted so bad. The Bible says that for us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, that does not mean work out your own way to be saved. There's only one salvation. And it's for everybody. The grace of God that bringeth salvation, one salvation, has appeared to all men. So work it out. It means get the things out of your life you need to get out so you can be saved. Get the things you need to get into your life in there so you can be saved. Work it out. The biggest obstacle to your salvation is not anybody else. It's, you and, it's, it's the one looking back at you in the mirror. Mm. But I just, I just really like to... Make it don't be about other people, but it's not. Listen, nobody is harder on you than you. That's the truth. Uh, often it is our own device or our own advice that we begin that makes us begin to fall. It's either something we're doing or something we're saying to ourselves. It's our own advice. We trust too much in ourselves, but we need balance. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. The Bible says I am a worker together with him. I need balance. I cannot do this on my own. The Bible says we are more than conquerors through him, not through me. Paul said, I can only do all things. If, if, if he just said, I can do all things. No, you can't. I can do all things. You can't do it. I can, not on your own. But when he put that little ending on there, through Christ, which strengthens me. Now, okay, Paul, I can get behind that. Because when you've got him, you've got all you need. And so uh, he can supply all your needs. You've got to trust in him. You've got to believe in him. And that's uh, what Peter was, was writing. I'm going to get to it because I don't even understand what he's talking about, let go, let God yet. I don't know where he's at. Uh, but... Uh, we're going to get there in just a second, I promise you. So uh, what Peter has done here is gave us three verses of Scripture that will just help us so much if we'll just look at them 
and realize these are the way I want to act. This is the way I don't want to act. He says this, verse 5, if we want God to be able to work in our lives, we need to follow these scriptures. All right, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. And then all of you be subject one to another. And that does not mean be a boss over everybody. Everybody you see, that's my boss. I'm subject to him. No, it means be there for one another. Listen, he said, be subject one to another and then be clothed with humility. In other words, you don't look at nobody in this world like you're better than them. He said, be clothed with humility. Realize that they could be the next great evangelist or pastor or missionary that God could use. That, they, that you may have something, when you meet them, you may have something they don't have, but you don't have something they can't have. We all, hey, we all come out of the dust. He breathed life into all of us. It's the same blood that cleanses all of us. We're, we're all, it, whosoever will, uh, let him come. And so he said, be subject one to another. Be there for one another and then be clothed with humility. Don't uh, exalt yourself above your brother or your sister. Don't, uh, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a deacon or I'm a, a bishop or I'm a, and so I'm, uh, listen, we give honor where honor is due, but it needs to come from somebody else. You don't need to honor yourself. You don't need to lift yourself up. And, and so uh, leaders should treat uh, people in the church just like anybody else because you're just like them. I'm just, I'm just like you. I happen to hold position of pastor in the church. But there's no special dose of blood for pastors. There's no special Holy Ghost for pastors. There's, there's no different mercy or grace for pastors. It's, we're we're uh, flesh and blood like everybody else. We just have a position that we hold that God works through us in. But when it comes down to it, I'll be judged by the same word, by the same book, by the same things that anybody else will be. I have the same born-again experience as any other believer. I am not better than anybody else. I need to let go of those ideas so I can let God make me who I need to be. You see where I'm going now? There's some things we need to let go of so God can do in us what we need. So be there for one another, but, but be there with humility because nobody likes an egomaniac. Nobody likes somebody that's me, 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 me all the time. There's an old country song said, you know, uh, I won't talk about me. I think that's the name of it. Uh, that's, uh, but it was, it was one of them bad country songs. So it's in good company because there's a lot of bad country songs. Yeah, well, I better get on something else. Uh, no, I'm just saying it. I, I, I don't care for that uh, that song anyway. But but that's what it's, it's all about me. All about me. You know, talk about me. Whatever, you know. And that's what some people. It's, it's all about me. If I can't be in charge, if I can't be in control, if I'm not leading the singing, if I'm not the one preaching, if I'm not the one, you know, if it's not my picture uh, getting posted on the church page, then oh, you know, just you know, then 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 I'm going to be upset about that. Oh, it happens. You'd be surprised. Help God help us to let go of that stuff so we can let God make us who we need to be. We need to make sure because there's here here's why it's so important for us to let go of that pride because God resisteth the proud. He opposes the proud. Buddy, you ain't going to get nowhere if God's against you. Now, the Bible says if God be for us, who can be against us? But if God is against us, who can be for us? <laughs> Can't nobody sing your praises loud enough to dig you out of that hole. Listen, we need to make sure uh, and understand that God will resist the proud. He's not going to hear the prayer of the prideful. Uh, he don't accept the offering of the prideful. That's why when he's, when he's talking about praying and fasting and giving, he said, don't do it with pride. 
He said, you, you know, when you give, he said, don't let your left hand know what the right hand is doing. He said, don't do, give your alms to be seen of men. Because if you do, you have your reward. You're just trying to build yourself up. But God resisteth the proud. I don't want God to be against me. He resists the proud. Uh, anybody's going, look what I can do. Look what I did. Look what I built. Look what I, 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 I. It was all me. I did it. Uh, you didn't. Even the scripture says every house is built by some man, but he had built all things as God. Uh, God's in it on every corner. God's got to be in this. We've got to remember Proverbs 16 and 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Listen, pride will refuse correction. It will because I'm not wrong. I'm always right. Pride. But if you refuse correction, you know what else you refuse? You refuse the goodness of God's love. Because the Bible says, whom God loves, he corrects. And when you can't accept correction, you can't accept. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It means you're not letting the love of God work in your life. Mm. Love covers a multitude of sin. Or, you're, man, you're doing without a lot of great things when you live pridefully. But then, thankfully, there's the next sentence. But he resists the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. Thank God for grace. Grace to the humble. It's available to all, but who gets it? The humble. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. But who does it work for? It works for the humble. It works for those who will bow down before him. Uh, Proverbs 22 and 4 says, By humility and the fear or the reverence of the Lord. Now this is where riches, honor, and life come from. Guess what? There's people that don't fear God that have riches. They get honor in this world and they live. But they get it all from the world. And so having riches and having honor and having life doesn't necessarily mean that you're on the right track with God. Humility and the fear of the Lord, that's where we get the good stuff. That's where my God is more than enough. He shall supply every need. Uh, that's where we get riches. Listen, God's not concerned with giving you riches that moth can corrupt and, and rust can corrupt and, and, and thieves break in and steal it. He said, you're supposed to be laying up treasure somewhere else. He said, I'm going to give you something that's going to be forever. The riches that I get from God are not. It's love, joy, and peace and the Holy Ghost. It's the, the knowledge that there's a better place uh, that he's prepared for me and he's coming back one day to get me. I want to be humble because God gives grace to the humble. Jesus went as far as to say that whosoever would humble himself as a child. And he's talking to a bunch of grown-ups who've already got their identity solid. Well, I'm Peter. I'm John. I'm the disciple that you love. And we're the sons of thunder and we're you know we already got we already we've been following you we know who we are and and you know and we like walking with you because everybody knows who we are now and well i'm gonna tell you something boys unless you humble yourself as a child <laughs> because a humble child that would the same will be the greatest in the kingdom if you want to be great for me if you want to be great then humble yourself and so God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble, and then Peter makes a very obvious, he, he, he sums it up for the people who kind of thick right here. Hey, anybody home? Listen. So since we have that, because that's a scripture, God resisted the proud, that's Old Testament scripture that Peter is applying to us today. And so he says, but so you understand what I'm saying Humble yourself, therefore, or for this reason, since we know, number one, God resists the proud. He's against the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It just makes sense that you would humble yourself 
under the mighty hand of God. But why? So he can exalt you in due time. Let God raise you up to another place. Let God raise you up out of these things. And let God set you up. Don't, don't go, the scripture tells us, don't, don't go take the highest seat in a house when you're invited in uh, because somebody's going to come tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, bud, you in my chair. And then with shame, you'll go out uh, while everybody's looking at you going, mm-hmm, knew you wasn't all that. Uh, don't, don't make sure, but just hang back and let the owner of the house, the one that's having the party, say, hey, buddy, come on up here and sit with us. And then everybody will be like, whoo, man, he got, uh, got a special call right from the, the master. Uh, listen, just let God do it. Humble yourself, therefore, for these, these reasons, uh, which is like, okay, uh, pride. That's not good. Humility looks pretty good. Yeah, humble yourself. Weigh it out. Look at what he just said. Do you want God to oppose you? It is, it's, it's tough living in this world. Do you want God against you? Oh, no, I don't want God against me. Humble. Oh, humility. Uh, people, you know what the problem is? Is People's got the world's definition of humility. And they think that if you're, if you're humble, that you've got a big yellow streak run up your back. Humble people are cowards. They just bow down. They just take stuff. They, you know, uh, the Bible says, you know, let the meek shall inherit the earth. And, and, you know, there's people who don't like them scriptures. But they think that being meek is weak. But the Bible says that Jesus had all power in heaven and earth, yet he was meek and lowly. Nothing weak about him. And there ain't nothing weak about us. And there ain't nothing wrong with being humble. There is a blessing that comes with humility. You will find yourself in another spot uh, whenever you begin to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And this is something that, that, listen, this is what you do. You tell people about that. Tell them how to be blessed. Don't hide it. Don't, uh, listen, don't don't hoard these good these good thoughts. Tell people. Because this, listen, the scriptures are not, this is not like your favorite fishing hole or your favorite hunting spot. I don't want nobody to know where I got that prize. Share that with somebody. Tell them, hey, listen, this is how, this is about your church. This is about your family being blessed. Tell them. See, what happens with people is they think under his hand, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And they equate that with uh, under his thumb. That's not God. God's not pressing us down. When I'm under his hand, then, uh, under his hand, then that's where uh, I get my provision. That's where I get my protection. He, God's not, listen, God's God. He's not a dictator. Hmm. God lets you decide whether or not you want to serve him. Choose this day whom you will serve. I'm not going to force you, and God will not hold you under his thumb. He says, if you love me, just keep my commandments. I, the choice is yours. You just, but, but people think being under his hand is being under his thumb. It's not the same. Being under somebody's thumb, that's pressing you down. That's, man, that's squeezing the life out of you, but being under his hand that's a covering. That's a provision. That's protection. That's a blessing. Come on, somebody. That's God taking care of you. So I don't mind being under his hand. And so I, I humble myself under his, under his hand. Actually, actually he, the Bible says that he's the potter and we're the clay. We ought to be under his hands so that he can make us who we need to be. And I am promise you this. You will... Never be exalted until you spend time under his hand. You'll never get to that place you want to get until you spend time under his hand, humbly under his hand. But then after that exalting, don't, don't, don't start thinking, well, I have arrived. That's me. I got it now. No, you don't. I'm pastor now. I got my license now. I got the, you know, that stuff don't mean nothing. Listen, listen. 
after they exalted me. Hey, even, even Paul, this, this is what Paul said about it. I, I've preached this here recently, but 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. Paul now picked out, handpicked by the Lord after he ascended, knocks him out on the road to Damascus, blinds him, tells him, hey, man, you're going to suffer for me. Uh, here's what's going to happen. Fills him with the Holy Ghost. He's baptized. He starts preaching Christ. We preach more of his messages, more of his words probably than anybody. But he says this, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. Paul had revelation of the mighty God in Christ. He knew about new birth. He had uh, he was seeing people. He, you know, he said, I knew a man. He said, I don't know if it was in the flesh or in the spirit. He said, you know, I have no idea where it was at. There's just so many things going up. Uh, unspeakable words. It's not lawful to utter. Just all kinds of things. And, but at least I should be exalted. See, God never wants you to be exalted above measure. He didn't give you what he's given you so you could say, hey, uh, here I am. He didn't give you uh, all those things so you could make money off of it and market it and, and turn it into something. He, he gave you those things. The Bible says that any part of that ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, was given for by God for one reason, for the perfecting of the saints. When you use ministry for any other avenue, it may provide for you. But when you market it, you want to know why? Just me. Just me. Anybody else like this? Them. You know why I don't have a billboard with my picture on it saying, come visit me at Restoration Apostolic Church? Because it ain't about me. I just don't like that. That's just me. I don't want nobody to think, hey, let's go see that guy. Because then they start thinking it must be his church. It ain't my church. It's the church I pastor. This church belongs to God. And so I want people to, when they come in, I want them to realize that, hey, I'm coming to worship the Lord, not the preacher. Come on, I'm coming to praise the Lord and not the preacher. I'll back the preacher up. I'll listen to the words he's saying. I'll honor the office he holds. But when I worship, I worship God and God alone. So Paul said, yeah, it was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And he said, I asked God to move this thing three times. And God said, nope. Look, my grace is sufficient. Paul was already getting grace. You know why? Because he was humbling himself under the mighty hand of God. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. And Paul was humbling himself under God's hand. He said, well, that's the only answer I need. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me, resting on me. I want the power of God to rest on me so that I can do what he wants me to do and so I can live in this world. I told you that we've got to live in this day, in this hour, and we've got to do our best to live successfully for the king. I want to live for the king. Listen, don't... Don't let your exalting move you out from under the hand of God. Because that's the only place that you grow, and that's the only place that you stay blessed. When you get out from under that hand, it's on. Peter went on to say right after these verses, you know what comes after those verses in Second Peter and First Peter? Hey, be sober and vigilant, for your adversary the devil as a roaring lion goeth about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resists steadfast in the faith. He said, you better stay under his hand because there's a, a devil out there. There's a, a roaring lion. And he don't care if you're, if you're under. He's, he's going around. He knows he can't get you out from under his hand. He said, but they're so stupid that in just a little while, one of them going to poke his head out. He, he's going to step out. He's going to think, you know what? I got this. Now I feel pretty good. Now I've been up under God's hand long enough. I, I'm going to step on out. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, now we, we're trying to resurrect you in the altar now because the line, line done ate you up. Listen, stay under the hand of God. Uh, oh, oh I, I, I've been called to preach. I got me a, 
a license. I, I'm going to start me a church and Woo, I'm going to get me a, a new suit, and I'm going to be looking. It's going to be me, me, me. <laughs> yeah. Devoured. Till nobody can recognize anything that God called you to be. You think about devoured like God. He, the devil ain't killing nobody. Listen, devour you. When you devour something, it's gone. What was on that plate? It's all gone. I devoured it. When the devil's devouring people, all of a sudden they don't look like them people that you knew. Yeah. They don't say, they don't talk like they, like they talked when they was under his hand. They don't act like they used to act when they was under his hand. Oh, it's going to change, believe me. When you get out from under the hand, there's no humi- when you get out from under the hand, humility leaves. Pride is what pries those fingers apart so you can get out. You better stay humble. Grace is to the humble, and the humble are under his hand. That's where I want to be. And so Peter finishes up with that, and then he... He gives us in verse 7 how not to hinder the promise and the blessing of verse 6. Because, go back to verse 6 for a second. You see, he doesn't finish his thought in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And then, see the two little dots? He's still going. Due time. He's still going. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care. The word care means with the idea of distraction. Things that will distract you, get rid of them. Things that are also... The word anxious is attached to that. It's going to make you nervous and anxious and not able to think about anything else. About what's, you, I can't do anything because I'm worried about everything. And, and this distracted me. He said, cast all your distractions upon him. The word, what, what you're doing is you're letting go. In other words, let go of all your distractions so he can do what he wants to do in your life. You are transferring the ownership to him. You are casting. It means the word casting there means to throw upon. It, it literally means a separation, a release with a certain and specific destination. You don't just throw your cares off on other people. I know we help each other, love each other, and we talk to each other and pray with each other. That's one thing. But give this to God. Let it go and let God do what he wants to do. Because while you're holding on to all these distractions, while you're holding on to all these things in this world, while you're holding on to your care, he can't do what he wants to do. He can be right where you are. And cannot give you what you need as long as you're holding on to all your care. If you don't believe me, read what he said, the conversation he had with Martha when he was sitting in that house. And Martha was busy, serving, frustrated. Jesus, don't you care that, because Mary's sitting at his feet. Don't you care that Mary left me to do all this by myself? Martha, Martha, you are careful about many things. That word careful comes from this word in the Greek. You're anxious about so many things. You're distracted by so many things. I'm sitting in your house. Mary has found that needlessly. It's not going to be taken from her. She's found that good thing. It won't be taken from her. You could be having this. I'm in your house. You know who I am. I know you believe in who I am. And yet, you cannot even stop long enough to pay attention to what I'm saying. 
So I can't even give you what I would give you because you won't stop long enough to listen. Casting all your care and distractions. I'm trying to teach you how to live, folks. This is how we live for God. We, we don't hold on to this stuff. Transfer it. Get rid of it. Get rid. When you cast it upon him, it shows trust. Proverbs 3 and 5. And I didn't give you these, I don't think, sis. So don't worry about that. Proverbs 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. That's trust and that's humility. That's humbling yourself under his hand. Because when you lean on your own understanding, that's pride. I'm pretty smart. I can figure this out. Stop trying. Give it to God. Psalm 25 and 1. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but it abides forever. Friend, when we give him that stuff, we become rock solid. When we cast our care on him, we show that trust in him, you can't be moved. Or removed is what it says. It cannot be. Mount Zion is where it is. It's going to always be there. It cannot be removed. And friend, once we come to God and get into this body, if we will just trust in him and cast our care on him, we shall not be removed. Jesus said, can't nobody pluck them out of my hand. If they stay in my hand, if they trust me, now you can step out, but nobody's going to come remove you from my hand. Come on, somebody. I want to stay in his hand. Praise God. And it doesn't only show trust, but it also shows humility. It shows a lack of that prideful, I can take care of myself attitude. Because we, we know the scripture tells us there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. That's Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way, and it seems right to a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. It doesn't lead to life. Our own ways, our own understanding, our own thoughts will not lead us to everlasting life. And when we start trusting in our own thoughts more than his word, more than the leading and guiding of his spirit, we're headed in the wrong direction. Proverbs 21 and 2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders the heart. God sees what you're really thinking. He sees your motive. People will see your actions, but God will see your motive. And, and you can do some actions that on the outside, everybody says, wow, look how super nice they are. But their motive was something totally different. Every way of a right man is right in his own eyes. I did, oh, hey, I've seen it. I've seen people caught red-handed and go, I didn't do nothing wrong. Okay, you know, but you did. No, I didn't because every, in their own eyes, they were right what they did, but it was wrong in what they did. Paul said something very similar, worded different, but same, same place, gets you to the same place. In Philippians 4 and 6, Paul said, be careful for nothing. In other words, all things. Be careful for nothing. In other words, cast all your care. He's saying the same things. But in everything that you, everything you do by prayer, well, if you're praying, it's because you trust him. It's because you believe in him. You're humbling yourself under his hand because you believe when I make requests to God, he's going to hear me. I'm not being prideful. I'm not being proud, so he's not going to resist me. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. That's giving it all to him. Paul is saying, listen, these people learned how to live for God. And they lived through persecution. They lived through tribulation. They lived through watching their friends fed to the lions and ripped apart and things happening. I mean, they lived through some hard stuff. And then most of them gave their lives they were martyred for preaching this gospel yet somehow they could say I, I fought a good fight I finished my course I kept the faith somehow they knew that they were still that it was going to be alright it's because they learned hey don't try to fix nothing on your own but in every single thing 
Pray about it. Pray. Be thankful for what you already have and let those requests be made known to God. The Bible says that we can come boldly before the throne of grace so we can find help in our time of need. God's just waiting on us to ask Him. Listen, the cares of this life can kill you. The cares of this life can destroy you, pull you down. So that's why I said cast it in a specific place on me because God can handle it because he's already been through it. He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. He's already been there. He already knows how to take care of it. It says he has mighty hands. He, listen, God, he's God Almighty, the creator. He knows how to take care of it. I can handle it. No, you can't. Anytime you start saying, I can handle it, don't you look in the mirror and go, no, you can't. Tell yourself, no, I need God. In Matthew 13, 22, the Lord was talking about the sower, the parable of the word, and he said that the, it is the care of the world, and it will choke the word out of you. We live by every word. Praise God for the word. But he said, that if you don't let go of the cares, it will choke the word out of you. And you can't, yeah, and he becomes unfruitful. You know what the Lord said happens to those things that are unfruitful? They cut off and cast into the fire. You're headed for destruction, hanging on to the cares of this world. Do not let these cares eat you up. Yes, we are concerned about what happens in the world, but we are not going to spend our days and hours curled up in a ball saying nothing I do matters. There's no way we can fix this. Give it to God and live for Him. Live for the Lord. But the cares will choke the word out of you and you will die. Luke 21 and 34. The Lord said, here's another thing the cares of this life will do. He said, take heed to yourself, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day, he's talking about his return, comes upon you unaware. You can blind yourself from his return by letting the cares of this life eat you up. Don't let your hearts be overtaken by the cares of this life and, and things of this world. Don't get intoxicated by this life, by this world, but cast, release it, let it go, throw it to a certain place, let go, let God. And again, as we said earlier with Martha and Mary, he couldn't even give Martha, Martha couldn't even hear what she needed to hear because she was so entangled in the cares of that one day. Got to have it all fixed. Got to have it right. Got to have this. Got to have that. Gotta, oh, and I'm running around. No, nobody's helping me. Why don't you just sit down and listen? And you'll get what you need. Look, if we need food, give me a loaf and a little fish. We'll take care of everybody. Come on. He could have he just said, you know what? Man, just bring me, a, bring me some, a couple of figs and a date and some bread, and we'll, we'll feed this crowd. Because he could do it. But why don't you just sit down and hear what I got to say? Let God be God. And part of him being God is catching the cares that we throw to him. Handling our cares. Let him have it. When you let him have it, you're putting it where it belongs. Because we are not supposed to carry it. The longer you carry cares, the heavier they get. And the Bible says, lay aside every weight. And it can become so desperate that it actually becomes sin. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. This is not just Peter writing these things. Honey, you can come to the music. Uh, this is not just Peter writing these things. This is the word of God, and we live by every word of God. We cast it on him because it's nothing that he can't handle. It's nothing that he can't do. I said this a while ago. He was tempted in all points as we are. Yet without sin, he can handle it. 
Bible says that he told his disciples, look, in the world you'll have tribulation, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He's already done it. He beat death, hell, and the grave. Come on, somebody. Come on. Ephesians 3 and 20 tells us, now unto him who is able. Able, able to what? To do. It says, now unto him that is able to do, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. See, he can fix what we only make worse. We, we don't take our hands off of it. We're going to make it worse. I'm not just talking about blessings of finances and things like that. I'm, I'm talking about anything. I'm talking about we make a mess, but, but God just fixes what we do. The Lord's so good at it. When he was on this earth, he, he, he rolled up into the temple one day took the scroll and he read this it was Isaiah 61 he said the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And he closed that book and he sat down and said, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. He's saying, I'm here to, to fix what's broke. But you're going to have to let it go. So I can do what I, because I'm not going to snatch it from your hands. I'm not going to sneak up on you. You know, I'm not going to sneak in your house while you're asleep and fix everything so you wake up and go, wow. He's not the tooth fairy. He's not the Easter bunny. He's not Santa Claus. He's not any of that stuff. He, he's, he's God Almighty. He's the king. He's our help. And then last but not least, casting all I care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. That's how Peter summed it up. He cares for you. Why would God do that? Because he cares for you. Oh, but I've been, yeah, he knows what you've been, but he cares for you. Oh, but I said, yeah, he knows what you said, but he cares for you. So cast it all on him because he cares for you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He cares for you. The Bible says, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. That's what he did. He loves you. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. In the Old Testament, he said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. God cares about you. But God commends his love toward us while we were yet sinners. He loves us. You can't do it. Every plan, the Bible says he knows the thoughts he thinks for us. And all in uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, the plans he has for us, all these things. But every one of those plans, all those thoughts stem from that one thing, that he first loved us. The Bible says the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world with us in mind. It was his love at the very beginning. His love laid the foundation for everything that would be and all that we would be and all that we are supposed to do. He did this so he could watch us grow, watch us prosper. So stand with me tonight. It's time to let go of it. I, uh, oh, I, I, I got rid of the big stuff, Pastor. I just, I just got this, this one little bitty thing right here. You know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a little just, I can stick it in my pocket. It's all right. It's not, uh-uh. Let go of all of it. Don't let a tiny little seed of bitterness or anger or doubt or shame or guilt. Don't, don't let any tiny, just get rid of all, casting all. You hold on to a little bitty piece of it. You, you, you're holding back. He said, cast all your care on him. So tonight while she's playing, I just open the altar up and I ask you to come down tonight and let go. Just let go of it. Let go of your doubt. Let go of your fear. Look, if you've got pride, let it go. It's all right. We've all had that. But come down tonight and humble yourself and say, Lord, I'm sorry for trying to do it on my own. I'm sorry for trying to fix things by myself. Lord God, just help me tonight to let go. 
Come on, let go. Let go of your past. Let go of those things that hold you down. Let go of that stuff. Hallelujah. Let God work in your life tonight.
Thank you, Jesus. Oh, when we just let go and let the Lord have it. You know, I've thought about the way we look at Scripture sometimes and the wording paints a picture sometimes. And sometimes it'll put blinders on us, and that's the only way we can see it. And we think about, you know, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And if the Son make you free, you're free indeed. And, and we think, that, well, free, so I must have been a prisoner, so maybe I was locked up. Maybe he'd come and kick the door in, snatch the chains off me. And that. But you'll never have a greater freedom than when you just give it to God. You know what happens when, when you repent? God doesn't force you to repent. He's just good to you. It leads you to repentance. You know what you do when you repent? You're just giving it all to God. And you know how good you always feel after that? You're like, wow, man, just, it feels so good to pray and just get that. You know, it's like sometimes you've been carrying something, you finally talk about it, get it out, and all of a sudden you're like, man, I feel so much better. It's because you, you gave it up. You quit holding on to it. And sometimes that freedom, the Lord said, listen, if you'll just give it to me, you're going to feel a lot better. You'll be free of it because I'll take it. The Bible says he takes our sins, he casts them behind his back. And so when we give him stuff, he, he just does away. I'll, I'm going to put it out of reach because <laughs> you can't reach past him and get behind his back. I'm just going to put it out of reach if you'll just give it to me. And what a freedom there is when we will just give it to God. Let go and let God have it. Amen. Thank you for being in service tonight. What a great word from the Lord and just what a great presence tonight. Thank you for all of our visitors. Thank you for being with us. Pray for those that are sick. Ask God to touch them on recovery. We want to see them on Sunday. It's going to be a great service in Jesus' name. Amen. Invite somebody to church. Tell them about the Lord. Don't hide it. Don't hoard it. But bring them. Tell them, hey, I know, I know a place where you can meet the Lord. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.